Let's begin with a listening prayer. I'm going to read the scripture that uh, Bob Roberts uh, gave us as a summary of the Law of Moses last time, last Sunday. So uh, as we listen, we're praying. The word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land. How does that make you feel? Encouraged? Overwhelmed? Grateful? Uncomfortable? What would you want to ask God after hearing these words? Last week, Bob gave us a very insightful teaching. And um, as you just heard in the scripture, the law was given to us to give us life. That life appears to us, I believe, as love, and love emerges in us as the virtues. All virtues are ways of living out the great commandment, the law of love toward God and one another. I'm going to refer you again to Bob's handout from last time. I didn't put them back there because I didn't want confusion, but if you'd like a copy, there's a beautiful, this section right here especially, it's very impressive, showing uh, more, in more detail what basically I just said to you. But uh, at the end of last time's, uh, last catechesis, the question came up, how can we become virtuous? How can we obey the commandments? Bruce, who was sitting right here at the time, answered, um, with, made the comment about the brain, about the left brain, right brain, and how it works a, a little bit. Uh, and uh, I thought it was helpful to think of the fact that our, our left brain tends to be rational and self-conscious and discursive and logical, rational. The right hemisphere tends to be unself-conscious, uh, more creative perhaps, unbound, not time-conscious. And I believe that it's in the integration of this right and this left hemisphere uh, that we can more fully experience God. 
So how do we get the commandments to become integrated into our inner being? <clears throat> Excuse me. Or in the framework Jesus provides, how can I love God, others, and self with all my heart, soul, and strength, and mind? The scriptures use words like this. Uh, Bob, when, when the question was given to Bob, he said very briefly, well, meditation could help. And um, I think he was on the right track because it's so consistent with what scripture is telling us. Uh, doing a, a word study on such words as ponder, meditate, consider, Listen, receive, observe, let your eye be single, pay attention. He who has an ear, let him hear, contemplate, attend, wake up, be alert. All of these terms are a request from God to open up to him. And that's what meditation can be. I like this translation of Proverbs 4.23. Pay attention to your innermost being, for out of it flow all the issues of life. The, um, the first psalm tells us to meditate on the word. We hear it again in Joshua 1.8. In Psalm 19, Psalm 119, meditate, consider, look closely, open your eyes and your heart. And uh, there was one final comment that I thought was so helpful. Just before we finished last time, the young lady that was someplace back there said that um, uh, connected the Greek word lokigos, which had been mentioned by Bob as he, uh, as he was sharing the scripture from, uh, from Romans 12, 1 and 2, and she connected it to the logos of John 1. Um, the beauty of Romans 1 and 2 is that it's saying be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I, I, notice how this passive uh, form is always being used here. So God is trying to tell us, it's, don't feel like you have to do this. Don't feel like you have to make it happen. Be available, and I will make it happen. So the, the logos is what? The logos in, in, the, in Greek thought, the way I can understand it, with, you know, is a, a, like a proposition, a complete concept. Uh, of course, it means word, but it, in uh, use in philosophy and in writings of the Greeks, they used it as a complete proposition. And so what we see in John 1 is the Father... Sending out the complete proposition, the whole of himself. He said, you haven't been able to get this up to now. And so I'm going to help you. 
I am going to speak out the Word made flesh, the Logos. And then maybe you'll, maybe you'll understand, if you could just see this one, you would know who I am. Anyone who has seen me, says Jesus, has seen the Father. So, this Logos, if that Logos, sometimes translated law, were in our hearts, well, oh my goodness, it says right here, I will put my law, my Logos within them, and I will write it upon their heart. It's him doing the work, which is a great relief to me. My child, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments in Proverbs 3.1. Again, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That hiding of the word in our heart, that logos in our heart, I, I think that too is more or less a, a, a passive, um, receptive way of of understanding these, these scriptures. How can we begin to live the virtues? Paul says it this way. We followers of Christ have the mind of Christ. That mind of Christ. We have it, he says. We've already got it. Just like the other scriptures saying, I will put the the law in, in, in your heart. We already have it. This is like a Christ consciousness that we can become aware that is already part of us. It, it, so it's something that happens to you as a believer, to me as a believer. It begins to happen uh, to us just like yeast grows in dough. Just like a seed is planted in the field and it comes up. You don't make it happen. It can't. You can't make it happen. But it happens because we follow Jesus. Tell someone near you how the great commandment of Jesus, the law of love, is like the law of gravity for his followers. You don't have to do that. <laughs> okay, Jesus taught that our words and our behavior come out of our hearts. That our that that is in our inner being, <clears throat> and I believe it's a place where <clears throat> where our our right brain and our left brain are in cooperation. Scripture meditation, then, is paying attention to the Word of God in our inner being, Christ in us. We in Christ, as Paul keeps repeating and repeating and repeating. We develop the habit of turning inward. We turn inward so that we can see the Christ 
in us, and then we begin to see him all around us. And so this is, this is the mind of Christ that we begin to become aware of uh, already in us. Okay, you, just a little bit of talk uh, about um, some practical things that can help us move in that direction to receive uh, these, this kind of an understanding. You may have heard of uh, Guigo's four-rung ladder. He, he was, uh, I think, 13th century. Oh, thank you so much. Um, he was a, a, a leader of a monastery in Italy someplace. And uh, his fellow monk, uh, Gervain, writes to him and says, Guigo, uh, Abba Guigo, uh, how are we supposed to enter into this understanding of God that you seem to have? And he says, playing off the ladder to heaven that Jacob sees where the angels are, are going up and down on it, he says that ladder only has four rungs. And, and the first rung is to read the scripture. So you're, you, he wasn't meaning you read a whole bunch of scripture. He means that you enter into, meditate on a little piece of scripture. Uh, you, you read it, and then you reflect on it. He says that's the second rung. You, you think about it. You go back to it, you, you uh, allow it to, what is that word? Oh my goodness, I never noticed. There's this reflection, and, and then that turns into um, a, a response, because you're so blessed, or, or you're so confused. You have this response after looking at it more closely, and you might, you want to respond, and so you say to God, thank you, or please help me, or whatever response is coming out of your inner being after you've, you've read, responded, I mean, reflected, you respond, and then you move into a place that he calls the sweetness of God, and we'll call it the rest. So four rungs, one is read. Notice the ladder is planted on the ground, just like it was <clears throat> for Jacob, and it goes right up to the threshold of heaven. And so Guigo says, um, uh, on Guigo's ladder, here we got uh, read, reflect, and then respond, and then finally rest. And he says, when you rest, you're resting in the beauty and the sweetness of what you noticed God was saying to you in, the, in, in, in that scripture. What's the amazing thing <clears throat> is that these scriptures, by the power of the, these steps, as it were, on the ladder, seem to get confused because with the help of God's spirit, they don't remain consecutive. Instead, it becomes like an elevator that just sweeps you up and you can't tell which rung you're on because they're exchanging themselves back and forth. 
Now, thinking of that, think of the first chapter of the book of John, the last verse, Jesus is talking to Nathaniel, who has been blown away by the kinds of things Jesus has been saying. What does that last verse say about Guigo's ladder? He tells Nathaniel, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on Guigo's ladder. The Son of Man. That's what he says. He actually says that it's him who's the ladder or the elevator. <laughs> this is what meditation can do within us. It can bring us right to um, the presence of God. Uh, you know, call it heaven if you want. I mean, what happens, I think, is that you begin to see it in you, and once you begin to see it in you, you begin to see it out there at the same time. You learn to turn inward, and you find yourself seeing it outward. Okay, now this time you have to obey me. Tell somebody near you what are the four rungs. <laughs> Do you remember? <laughs> Who's got the microphone? Marcus, you have the microphone. Get, just give it to somebody who's willing to say what the four rungs are. Hmm. A willing person that will tell us what are the four wrongs. <laughs> we, no, no, no. I was just saying we got, we got all four. You got them? But we were talking how the academic life generally stops at the second. <laughs> yeah. If that. Sometimes not even that. <laughs> there was a, I, I read it. There's a famously acrimonious theological dispute in the, in the academy, and I finished a new response of a huge book that chiming in on this great theological response and, and this scholar pointed out oh and look at this silly person over here that says silent prayer and contemplation is going to be the answer he's like well that'll lead you astray stay with me in this theological decades-long war that I have started <laughs> there's there's a fear of this kind of we go style reflection yeah. Because it takes us to a deeper place that you're describing so beautifully, yeah. Jerry. Because yeah. you've experienced it. And the deep calls unto deep. We sense it. We do. And we want to get there. But it's, it's kind of terrifying because the mind can't control it. Yeah. Mm. Thank you.
So the, the four steps are read, reflect, respond, and rest. Rest, rest in the sweetness, Squigo said. Thank you so much, Matt. I appreciated your comments there. They're very helpful. Pardon me? Repeat could be one of the steps. It's interesting. Receive is one of the steps. I mean, yeah, lots of good R words that can help us remember how to do this. All right. So Jesus said the whole law and all the commandments in Scripture are a subtext of the great commandment. He emphasized in his teaching the centrality of the heart, our whole being, our intellect, our emotions, and how fully integrated, how our will and our will fully integrated in our physical body. This whole person he called on uh, to align with the Father's love by reciprocating that love. So all the virtues, including faith, hope, and charity, are contained in the commandment that does not begin with thou shalt not. It's a positive imperative. Thou shalt love with all your heart, mind, and strength. So... What I'm going to ask you to do is quietly, in your heart, pray for the people right around you, just the, the, the ones closest to you right there. Pray silently, asking God to give them this experience in prayer, that they could pray like Jesus prayed. Now, I hope you picked up the, the, the handout because we're going to look at it right now. Um, on it are the first four commandments. My assignment was to, uh, to talk about the first four commandments. You can see how good a job I'm doing right now. I haven't even gotten to them yet. <coughs> Excuse me. All right. Ten after ten. We got all kinds of time. We got 20 minutes to cover all four commandments, so that should do it. What, what I'm going to ask us to do here is using Guigo's ladder for just a couple of minutes for each one of these commandments. Um, what, we, what I want you to do is connect the first commandment, the second commandment, the third commandment, the fourth commandment, connect it with the great commandment, the commandment to love. Um, how could they be connected? But Jesus said they were, so they must be. So I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to climb Guigo's ladder 
looking at that, just look at that first commandment, the wording of it, and, um, and think specifically, meditate specifically on how this is helping us related to, in some way, love. So the first commandment reads, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. The great commandment is, love the Lord your God, love others as yourself. with all of your heart. And so now the first commandment, I mean, what insights did you get as you were looking at it that, you know, just some little insight that popped into your mind as you were climbing the ladder? Uh, as you worship only God, as you Put away other things that would take your heart, would um, you know, draw your heart in, um, you know, the attention of your heart. Uh, then, okay, I'm not working this out very well. You're that doing too great. Fast. <laughs> I like what you're saying. But uh, as you have only God to worship, and the other things fall away, then you are. Uh, able to uh, love your neighbor because there's room for your neighbor in a way that there isn't if you're following false gods. Yeah, wow. Thank you. Beautiful insight. It looks like Rich has something here. I have lots to say. Everything you're doing. I love it. Um, I thought of it in the spousal relationship. Mm. Um, I can't have other women in my life that are, are like my wife it, and I have to make a very real mm. conscious decision that this is my spouse and mm. no other shall take any place in it but I would have said a little differently what you said it's not that the others fall away I think the others fall in place when God is at the very very center of, of who we are and, and that's how that relationship then works with others thank you so much Let's move on to commandment number two. <coughs> so look at it, read it, reflect on it, but be thinking specifically today about how it relates to the great commandment.
okay, maybe you had some little insight. I want to hear it. So this is the West Coast eco-warrior, uh, a formative part of my life speaking. Um, you know, the natural, the created order is very impressive. And short of any revelation of the creator, that's where you're going to go. You know, the trees and the rivers and the mountains are just overwhelming. And the more you study them, the more overwhelming they are. Yeah. And so the, the impulse to worship is going to get drawn in that direction unless there's like a, a rescuing, as I say, revelation that, you know, that you couldn't directly have perceived. Um, that that saves you from the the weird dark side that always comes running along when you worship the second thing instead of yeah. the first one. But the the consequences of doing that are always delayed. That's the other reason it has to be a revelation, because at first it works great, you know, to like really appreciate the river and the trees and all that stuff. Yeah. You just feel so close to so much beauty and and all. That. It's only later that you try to be like them, and it all goes sour. Thank you so much, John. And Bruce has something. That was beautiful. Not much to add to that. But if anything in the created order becomes the object of our pursuit, uh, it, will, it will not, uh, the way we, we ought to pursue union with God, it will prove to be not only inadequate, but uh, often disastrous. Yeah. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you both. Appreciate that. And, and let's go ahead then. This is, this is working well, isn't it? Well, why don't we look at the third commandment? <coughs> you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. How does it relate to the first? Okay, I want to hear, I know God's talking. <laughs> I don't know how direct this correlation is, but what popped into my mind was that the ones that we love are the easiest to disrespect mm. because we're in such close relationship and proximity. And so those that we should be giving the highest honor to because they live life with us and we've made covenants with them we are so easily angered or annoyed or insult them. <laughs> Thank you for that insight. Wow. That's great. I don't think I've ever talked in Sunday school before. But, <laughs> but Katie, I just love what you said, and it just made me think about something. Um, at the end of Mary Oliver's essay, Upstream, she says, attention is the beginning of devotion. And I think sometimes our words are so quick and thoughtless and we have so little reverence in our life and if we pay attention to the things that are the closest to us the things that are like the deepest in our hearts and the words that we use to describe those things or to 
get the attention of those things or to pay attention to those things, um, like our spouse or our children or, and especially our relationship with God, we need to pay attention to the words we say to those most special people or, or God in our lives, you know? So yeah. I was thinking about how that helps, that attention helps build devotion, which helps build reverence. Thank you. Thank you very much. First of all, I love the attention to language, both in what you've put on the handout here and what the two have said. Because, well, for one thing, I love language, but I'd like to take a completely different approach. But I believe that the heart of this commandment is only tangentially about things we say, uh, but every action of ours should uh, reflect God's glory, and we take his name in vain when we do not act as someone who's acting in his name. Yeah. And, and so this goes way beyond not saying gosh darn it, but, uh, <laughs> but it, it, it goes to the, to the heart of, uh, of how we live our lives. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Bruce. Thank you. So Bob just said that a lot of our discourse about God is actually contrary to the commandment. I think also, um, I, I think of early in my discovery of a relationship with God, he seemed so high and so holy and like he had done so much for me. And then you begin to use him to try to fix your life, try to make things work for you. And I think that is also taking his name in vain. You know, God fix this for me. God, give me what I need. When I already had everything I needed in him. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. Oh, should we move on to Sunday? Fourth commandment. Hmm. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And then six days you can work, etc. share something that you some little insight N.T. Wright says that the uh, fourth commandment is or that no he says that that the, the that God's taking Sabbath on the um, seventh day 
um, is for the purpose of contemplating his works. So he, he sits back, <laughs> doesn't create anymore, but he uh, contemplates the goodness of what he has made. Now, if that were, uh, you know, transferred to human beings, then when we, we um, celebrate the Sabbath, it would be by ceasing work, but thinking about what we've accomplished, you might say. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that would be um, difficult if we hadn't obeyed the first three commandments. <laughs> right. I mean, all, all our work would have been you might say in vain um, if we hadn't dedicated it to God, if we had made it, if we had idolized it, uh, uh, if we had, I don't know, taken God's name in vain in the, in the process of, of uh, that work. Yeah. But I, I don't know what, what yeah. <laughs> exactly to do with that, but um, that it, it seemed to me that that connected the Sabbath and our own Sabbath observances more with um, with uh, the rest of you might say the rest of of Christian faith than uh, merely ceasing to work and just leaving mm -hmm. it at that. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Okay. We're not going to do the rest of that stuff on that paper because we only have three minutes, but I would like to do one thing. Oh, I, I wanted to tell you that I've got a couple extra copies of Bob's handout for those who missed it last week. It's a, it's a gem, so um, I, I can give you one if you, um, if you missed it. And then I also wanted to find on my sheet here, what are we going to do with this? Paul's words, for the whole law is fulfilled in one logos. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. What are we going to do with that? Any, any thoughts on that? The whole law. All those commandments we just looked at. It's all taken care of in one. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. John.
We didn't get the mic to you. Somebody, it, it, we, um, so whoever listens to this will have missed all those precious words, John. <laughs> Thank you for sharing, John. Yeah. To follow up on that, um, what comes to mind is the parable of the uh, sheep and the goat at the end of uh, Matthew 25. And uh, there, these people who have been serving others uh, are surprised to hear yeah. that they've been doing God's will, right? Beautiful. They've been, they've been loving one another, visiting one another, visiting people in prison, eating with the hungry and so forth. And they say, well, we, weren't, we weren't serving you, Lord. <laughs> I mean, so what, what, what's this? What's this? Yeah. But the answer is that he was, they weren't serving you, Lord. Yeah. Love becomes one. God for God, for others, for yourself. It all becomes one. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Echad. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much. Peace. Peace.